to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. If you have your Bibles with you today, I want to encourage you to open them up or turn them on to the book of Acts chapter 19. The book of Acts chapter 19. We've had a wonderful day in the Lord's house and I'm really looking forward um, to sharing the Word of God with you today. And for all of our first-time visitors, my name is Matt Renault. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we're so glad you're here with us again. How many of you know that Chicagoland, how many, how many of you would agree with me that Chicagoland needs to be awakened by the power of God? Come on, let's praise God in advance. We believe He's going to do it. Amen? I think, obviously, we're, I'm a little biased because... Uh, I'm a pastor in, 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 in a local church, but I, I believe that you can't find any other organization or fellowship to be a part of that gives you more opportunities to see absolutely amazing thing happens, amazing things than being a part of the body of Christ. We have an incredible opportunity in the day that we live in. I was talking with some of the brothers earlier, and I said, guys, we have to remember there's a lot of times in throughout history that we could have been born in. We could have been born in the 1700s, the 1500s, the 1920s, but we are here today in 2017 because God purposed for us to be on the earth during this time. And I, I, I love looking to the back, to the history, and looking to the past to study and to be amazed at the amazing things that God has done. But as the Lord says, behold, I am doing a new thing. And I'm like, God, I, believe, I thank you for what you've done in the past. But Lord, in 2017, we need to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our land. It's been almost 100 years since our country has experienced an incredible awakening, and I'm, we're, we're believing that any day now we are going to see God open the heavens and send forth his power and his spirit. And revival is something that, I, that many of us have been praying for for a long time. Revival is not a, a, just a meeting where someone has, and you maybe have an evangelist come and preach, but revival is something that is sovereign and supernatural where God is at work beyond any one person's ability to take credit for it. You walk into 7-Eleven, and the person at the cash register begins to tell you about Jesus, and the presence of God comes into that place. People are drawn to the house of God. There was a time in history in Wales and in Scotland where they would wake up in the morning, and there would be hundreds of people lined up outside the church waiting to get in on any day throughout the week because they are saying, we need God. There are 200,000 people that live within a short distance of this building, and there are many churches in our area. Can you imagine if we were to wake up tomorrow morning to the apartments and the houses emptied and people lined up outside the churches because they're saying, you know what, I need God and I believe I can find God at this place. When you go to work and you go to your schools, instead of an awareness of evil, there is an awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ. That is something that is nothing that no man or no church or no organization can do. It must be by the power of God. Jesus loves cities. Jesus loves cities. There was a city in the Old Testament called Nineveh that was, that was the capital of one of the most evil empires that had ever existed in human history. And with one man named Jonah, he went and he began to preach repentance and God brought revival to that entire city. And in a matter of days, it, they all turned their hearts to the Lord. Throughout the New Testament, we, have see, we see these moments where the apostles will go into different cities and God moves powerfully. Chicago does not surprise the Lord. 
The challenges that we are facing in 2017 do not catch God by surprise. And as the church of Jesus Christ, it is important that we don't jump on the fear bandwagon or the, or the, uh, the bandwagon that it just starts pointing fingers or, or, or trying to say, you know, or the, just the idea that says, well, it is what it is. There's nothing that I can do. As long as we are on the earth and as long as we are children of the Most High God, God has given us what we need to see national revival take place. And it's not in our own strength or power. It is in the power of God, and Jesus, his heart aches for the people of our city. The children, the young people, the teenagers, the heart of God aches for them because he created them. And brothers and sisters, I want to pray today. I want to pray for our own lives, and I want to pray that God would pour out his spirit upon our city. I want to study a scripture, a story, where God moved upon a city called Ephesus, and there was this progression, there was a roadmap to revival that took place in this city. So I'm going to pick up and we're going to read how God did a powerful work in the city. And we're going to pull some principles and truths from it. And then by God's grace, we're going to have enough time to really begin to pray and seek the Lord together at the end of the meeting. Let's read in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says this, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked, And what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the, had, had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. How many of you love to see the name of Jesus held in high honor in our city? Exalted above every other name, amen? Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, 
the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word of God today, your timeless truth. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would breathe upon the scriptures, and we pray that you would do a powerful work in our hearts and our lives today. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our lives to you, and we ask that what you have purposed in heaven on this Sunday in March, that it would be established on the earth in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message this afternoon is Roadmap to Revival. Roadmap to Revival. A mighty weapon in the hand of God to combat the darkness is a blood-washed, spirit-empowered Christian. We can become mighty, mighty weapons in the hand of the Lord. You know, we, we're, I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but there, there's certain, have, just knowing the truth and having a plan are not enough to see the darkness pushed back. It takes something more, namely, only Jesus Christ and his mighty power can push back the darkness. Only the Lord can do it. Only God can do it. The Spirit, we're going we're to talk about the roadmap to revival. So let me talk about the first step. We're going to talk about a couple of steps today. But the first step toward revival is that we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. My, when I was growing up, I ended up having the privilege of going overseas and doing a handful of missions trips as a young man, and I, um, my whole family thought that I was going to be a missionary. Uh, that seemed to be what the call was. I had an uncle who was a real inspiration to me, uh, who actually just this last month finished translating the entire Bible into, an, into a brand new language in a, in a little area in Papua New Guinea, and, and I was really inspired with many people in my family who were in missions and I was thinking that I was going to be a missionary, go to some faraway land and preach the gospel. What happened to be that during one of my spring break trips when I was at the Moody Bible Institute, that I ended up going to Africa. I had been there a handful of times. While I was there, the Lord began to make a couple of things very clear to me. One of them was that for all of the wonderful things that we have in the American church, the buildings, the, the, the resources, the programming, the education, there are certain things that we were severely lacking. I had the privilege of sitting in a, in, in a couple of meetings with masses of people, seeing miracles and signs and wonders take place, people who were crippled, walk again, all sorts of amazing things. And I felt like the Lord began to tell me, and this is where he, he, he really cemented the call in my life at that point. He said, Matt, I have not called you to missions, but I have called you to, to be a shepherd in America because there are certain things that I'm already at work over here that my people over there do not have. And I was stirred because I, growing up in the church, I had seen many things, but when I went over there, I saw Christians, brothers and sisters, who were, were under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, these, I was in a meeting where we prayed from 7 p.m., to six in the morning. And by the way, when I mean pray, I mean like pray. I, it, was about, it was about midnight. I was exhausted. 
I was like, water, please. You know, they don't leave. They don't even drink. They're like fasting from food and water. They're dancing. They're praying. They're interceding. They're seeking God. And I was like, these people have a whole different spiritual stamina. They have a whole different kind of relationship with the Lord. They are, when, if, if it's written in the word of God, they not only believe it, they begin to walk it out and they begin to see God answer. Part of the thing is, is when you may not know where your meal comes next week, how many of you know it will make you desperate for Jesus? And one of the pastors there, and I mentioned this a couple of years ago, he said, Matt, I really, I pray for you and I pray for my pastor friends in America because we have this gift of dependence because we need God for everything. But you don't really need God for much. You can get on with your life. And so it's a very difficult thing. But here we are today. And what we're going to read here about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us as his children. Can you put the passage up real quickly? When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Can you go to verse 5 real quick, right before that? Charlie, verse 5. I want to point something out that is very important here. If you look here, verse 5, it says these, these people on hearing uh, about Jesus, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, period. And then it says when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. It's, I grew up in a faith tradition that did not, uh, that really de-emphasized the, the need for the daily power of the Spirit of God. If you read your Bible and you had biblical understanding, that was enough. But actually, if I could tell you, the, the fact of the matter is about 70% of the young people that I grew up in that church with are no longer serving the Lord. And I think part of the reason is they, they, our, our youth group became the statistic of young people leaving the church and just going on their own. And I think because what began to happen is they said, well, I know what the Bible says, but I don't feel like I have the power to carry it out. And so instead of that struggle, they, many of them just gave themselves into the world and to sinfulness. So anyway, and I, as a young man, I, I said, God, there has to be more than this. And for the sake of time, I can't get into all of that. But this is very important, the distinction here. Because when he baptized them, that was physical water. Are you thankful for the privilege of making a testimony for Jesus, giving, telling the world that you love Jesus and belong to Jesus? Amen? That's what physical baptism is. When we go down in the water... That's not a point where we get saved. That's just a point where we declare that we've already been saved by Jesus Christ. When we, give, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that Christ raised him from the dead, we are born again. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Everyone say in us. That's called regeneration. And so with these Christians, the Holy Spirit had already come to be in them because the Apostle Paul then decided to baptize them in water. And so... He's the writer of the book of Romans, and he never would have baptized people in water if they had not already made a confession of following Jesus Christ. So they were born again when they, when they were baptized in that water. But then there was something else that the apostle really felt that he needed to do. And you would ask yourself, Paul, why did you, wasn't being saved enough? Wasn't being born again enough? Their sins were forgiven. God was living in their heart. Isn't that enough? Now they can go about their life and go about their ministry and go about living in Ephesus. But no, it wasn't enough because the apostle Paul knew that if these 12 people are going to really make an impact in this dark city, they can't do it in their own power. They need something more than just being born again. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon them. And so he comes and he lays his hands upon them and they experience what, what is called being empowered or baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And, he, and, and, and then they go out and there's this manifestation of the power of God, and namely in this text, 
speaking in tongues and prophesying. And brothers and sisters, the question I have for us today is if these 12 people needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago in their city, do you think that us in Chicago, in Chicagoland in 2017, wouldn't you think that we need to experience and actually have the power of God at work in this dark and evil time that we live in? Amen. Times are challenging, and if you look at our wonderful church that we have in America, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. We are blessed, and God has helped us. But America is not serving the Lord. We have thousands of church buildings, probably billions of dollars of equipment and property, educations and institutions, and all of those things are wonderful. I grew up in kids' programs. We love that. All of the programming and, and education in the world, but at the same time, people are not serving Jesus Christ. And it is not the fault of politicians, government institutions, or anyone else. Do you know who's responsible for the spiritual state of our country? It's the church of Jesus Christ. We are responsible, but it seems to me that the Lord is putting us in a corner because we cannot win souls on our own and we cannot see cities and communities changed in the power of the flesh or the power of intellect or the power of education. Education cannot change the spirit. Only the spirit of God can change the spirit of man and change the cycle of brokenness. The Lord said many years ago, it is not by might. It is not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, Zerubbabel, the mountains will be bowed down before you. God is the only one who can take mountains and make them flats. He's the only one that can do it. And don't, we cannot believe the lie from the enemy that says, well, the city is lost. We're just going to hold on till heaven. Brothers and sisters, if we're just supposed to hold on till heaven, why aren't we in heaven already? Oh, no, God has said, I have placed you on the earth for such a time as this, but we cannot do it in our own power. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is the model that we see here. And if we really want to see awakening and reviving in our land and in our day, it starts with Christians. Saying, God, we forsake our own agenda, our own power, and our own ability, but God, would you fill us with the power of the Spirit of God? Holy Spirit, we must experience your outpouring, God. Do you know that the Holy Spirit can make you a different husband? Can make you a different wife? You know the Holy Spirit can make you a better employee, a better student? pastor said this a while ago, God makes you smarter. And we talk about that. There's certain, he's the ancient of days. He knows every single molecule that exists within matter. He knows every little detail of every subject that has ever been created and then infinity more. Don't you think that he can give us the solutions and the wisdom we need for our day-to-day -day challenges? He's, he's, he's the spirit of wisdom. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the first step towards revival is God. Would you empower us by your spirit? How many want to be empowered afresh by the Holy Spirit today? Amen, amen. Let's praise God in advance. We're believing he's going to do it. We're going to walk through a couple of quick steps here, and then we're going to pray. The second step towards revival is we need to be empowered to speak. Paul entered the synagogue, and he spoke boldly there for three months 
arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. It's important to understand here that this was not the kind of arguing that you may get in with your kids or your teenagers or your spouse over breakfast. No, this is a spiritual influence, a spiritual persuasion. We can never argue someone into the kingdom. And that's not what's happening here. But the picture here is that Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to stand boldly and declare the word of the Lord. To stand boldly and to declare the word of the Lord. Sometimes we can stand up and we say, well, I just don't know what to say. How many of you ever been there? I've been there. Just don't know what to say. A coworker can say, can come up and maybe maybe an open door for the gospel, and they'll say, tell me about church, or tell me about God, or tell me about this, maybe, maybe family members, and sometimes it's okay to admit we can get to a place where, like, I don't really know what to say. Brothers and sisters, we don't, you don't need a theological education. You don't need to have been saved for 20 years. No, all that you need is to be able to, to say, God, would you empower me to speak the truth of your word? Peter Peter was, was, had never preached a sermon in his life. The one who denied Jesus, he cursed Jesus. And within a short time, he got up and preached the first sermon that was ever preached. And thousands were swept into the kingdom. And the people noticed that they were unschooled, ordinary men. If you get to the place, you say, I don't know what to say. Can I tell you that is a great place to be? Because when we don't know what to say, that's when God says, okay, I know exactly what to say. And when we get to the end of ourselves, that begins to be the starting line to experience the power of the Spirit. He will empower us to speak. Now, when it comes to evangelism, evangelism is twofold. We talked a little bit about this the other day. It's living it out and modeling it out. It's not all about preaching words. It's about walking and walking in integrity and consistently in our walk with the Lord. However, there will come a moment when we have to open our mouth. The moment will come. Paul said, how will they know unless somebody tells them? The book of Romans. Unless someone tells them, how will they know? At a certain point, someone will ask you, tell me, what is so different about your life? And in that is the moment that we need to say, oh God, would you empower me to speak the words of life? The second thing the Holy Spirit does, the roadmap to revival, is he empowers us to speak. The third step towards revival is, is that we need to be empowered to persevere. Can we all say that wonderful P word together? Persevere. Okay. Perseverance is very important in, when it comes to experiencing breakthrough in God. Our culture... And our children are not growing up learning how to wait. And parents, we need to be very careful. The enemy knows that if he can raise up a generation of, of Christian young people that are just, just, but are not, that are Christian young people or a church that is just full of knowledge but not full of power, his agenda will continue. Because power comes through waiting. Power comes through persevering. A lot of times we say, God, I want it now. I need it now. And there are moments when God will do that. But many, many times there is a perseverance for breakthrough, a waiting upon the Lord. Look at this. Paul said he, the Bible says that this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Revival did not break out in Ephesus like that. 
Just like revival may not break out in your home like that. It may not break out in your marriage like that. You may not see your, your, your workplace changed and transformed like that. But there is a sowing of seed. There is a persevering. There is a believing. There is a trusting. There is a get up every day and go to bed that day and get up the next day and go to bed and get up and keep trusting and keep plotting on saying, God, your word promised that you would do this and I'm going to believe that you will, Lord. But it's being empowered to persevere. Can we all say persevere? The fourth step towards revival is we need to be empowered to be contagious. So this is a very unique scripture here. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. The evil spirits left them. There's been some uh, Christians throughout the last 50 years that have, from what I understand, misinterpreted this just a little bit where they've gotten so focused on a physical item that can do something miraculously, dial this number, give $25, and we'll send you a special prayer cloth or something, you know. And, you know, everyone has to do what they feel to do before the Lord, but the main part of this passage is not talking about just, you know, like we're not going to hand you out handkerchiefs at the exits, okay? Okay. That's not, that's not the idea here. The idea here is that Paul, who was an ordinary man, was so in the spirit that something as insignificant as like this microphone, pardon me sound guys, something as so insignificant as a microphone that is supposed to serve a purpose. Come here, Nick. So I would imagine I, Nick had cancer and all of a sudden he took this microphone and he touched it and he'd be healed. Now you're like, how does that happen? Thank you. How does that happen? It's not the microphone that you got to focus on. It's the fact that this microphone was in proximity to someone who was full of the Spirit. And because of that, God did something that we would never expect, and he did something supernatural. Can I tell you, sometimes we try to predict God's miracles, but that's not a good business to be in. Don't try to figure out the miracle, but what we need to be is filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. For example... If God would anoint a handkerchief, do you not think that God would anoint us as his children? If God would anoint an apron, do you think that God would not pour his spirit out upon his children? For example, here's what might happen. You might be, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you might go to work, your boss might tell you, hey, I need you to type up this letter for me. And you type a letter, a, a nothing insignificant thing, you type this letter up. And because you're under the grace and the power of God, that letter, something's on it, and the boss comes up to you and says, yo, what's with you? What is, I, I've never, this is the most beautiful letter I have ever seen. I just need you to tell those people to pay the bills. This is the most amazing. Why did you do that? And then it becomes a gateway to the supernatural. A letter. And you can begin to say, well, it's the Jesus that I serve. And then in that moment, this has happened in history. The presence of God will come into that office. And he'll start weeping and conviction will come upon him. And he says, I need God. I need God. I need God. I need God. There's a story of a place 
that experienced this in Scotland in the late 1950s. There was a young man, and it was a prayer meeting, and he was just praying in the middle aisle. And they were just praying in a meeting like this. And down the street, there was a bunch of young people at a club. And they were doing what you do at a club, which is ungodly things. And while they were praying here, and the Holy Spirit was moving here, because of what happened here was so uncontainable, it, God moved out of the church building. He went down the street, and the, and the, 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 um, the historical record shows, says that the fear of God came into that nightclub. And the presence of God so came into that nightclub that all over a hundred young people who were in there acting carnal and worldly, they literally ran out of the nightclub. They got up, they ran out, and guess where they ran to? They ran to the church, and they ran into the prayer meeting, and they all bowed their faces before the Lord. The altars were so packed with these young people that the preacher had to climb around them to get to the altar. And there were, the, the, the testimony goes, there was a young woman from university who was on the floor weeping at the altar saying, God, is there mercy, is there mercy, is there mercy for my life? Now, how do you do that? Nobody can do that. But the power of the Holy Spirit can extend beyond any walls or any physical barrier and can draw men and women to themselves. You may have a room, you may have a neighbor that you say, man, they need Jesus. How many have a neighbor that needs Jesus? You say, man. Yeah, some of you are like, yes. Turn the music down, right? But can I tell you, at the end of the day, you can, you can talk, you can pray, but you know that the Spirit of God can, when your house is so saturated with the presence of God, it could invade their house, and they can come knocking at your door saying, listen, I need Jesus. That is what revival is and begins to look like. It's contagious, and we'll break out. A couple more steps, and then we're going to pray. The fifth step towards revival is we need to be empowered to be authentic. We need to be power, empowered to be authentic. Something happened here, which is also kind of a unique thing, is that there was these Jewish men who they themselves have not experienced Christ and are not experienced and were not under the power of the Spirit of God, that when they came and they tried to cast out these demons, they would say in the name of the Jesus. By the way, if you have to say the Jesus and not my Jesus, it's probably not a good thing, okay? In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, paused there for a second. This is, these were people who were religious. They were the sons of a priest, just because you grow up in a godly home does not mean you're going to gain godly authority. Just because you're around the things of God does not ensure that we, you will walk under the power of God. So these young people thought, hey, I got it together, which is a real challenge in our generation. In our generation, young people and parents, we have to be mindful of this. We have a generation who's growing up who I believe can do some of the most amazing things for God. However, because of the Google and I can just search whatever I want, they could think that because they're in the proximity of the presence of God and in the proximity of the things of God, that that means that they will gain the authority of God. Brothers and sisters, just being in the proximity of the power of God does not guarantee that you will walk under the power of God when you're out there on your own. We need individually 
the outpouring of the Spirit of God on our life because then otherwise we are, we are potentially can be in a situation that is dark and evil and we may draw a battle line and we might get, we might get so beat up and say, you got to get out of here. I, kind of one of the things we talk about is kind of being a carnal copycat. Christianity is not about just copying a program. Christianity is not just about doing all the right things and, well, let me just check off my list. No. Oh, being a follower of Jesus is a daily, living, supernatural experience. And this is what we need to be when, it, when I mean be empowered to be authentic because our city needs real, spirit-empowered Christians who can stand in the darkness and truly say and resist the enemy and the darkness has to flee. Be empowered to be authentic. The sixth step toward revival this last thing that we're going to pray is that we need to be empowered to repent. So after the seven sons of Sceva had their mess up, and these young people who were in proximity but not under authority began to do their thing. And all of a sudden, the fear of God came upon that community and came upon that city. And this is almost the last step towards real awakening and revival. It says, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confess what they had done. Hold that for a second. This is, this is now Christians who have confessed, yes, I've served Jesus Christ. These are not unbelievers. These are believers who are openly now coming and saying, oh, I want to be right before God. Oh, I need to be right before God. I want to be in the light. That's what revival is. Revival is when not just unbelievers are being saved, but believers are coming and saying the things that are being done in secret. I don't want those to be done in secret anymore. God, I want to be clean. I want to be right. I want to be in the open, Lord. And you, one of the things that triggered this, by the way, was they didn't want the devil calling out all their stuff. Because now this person who was possessed by a demon, evil actually began to latch out. And that part of the thing that God used evil, he used evil to awaken his people. And we live in a city that is, there's a lot of evil happening in our city. There's a lot of great things happening in our city. But there's also a lot of challenging things happening in our city. And what evil and what, cha what challenges should do for us as Christians is not shut us down. It should awaken us and arrest us and say, God, I need to be used by you to help this evil. But God, may my life be pure. May my life be clean. God, I want to be in the light. God, God, I, I want to be under your authority and under your covering, oh God, in the day of evil. Many, many Bible verses about even though it might go evil with many, the righteous shall be protected. And the reason is, is because he wants us to be the difference makers. Next slide, please. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and they burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. By the way, 50, a drachma is a daily wage, and if you kind of take the average daily wage of, of the Amer average American, that comes out to over $9 million. Over $9 million of literature that they said, we're going to burn these scrolls. These scrolls were used for witchcraft and evil. 
And they said, no longer, we're going to totally let go now. And by the way, this is twofold. This should be a challenge, but it should also be slightly encouraging because maybe you're here today and you've given your heart to the Lord, but there's still some things that you haven't, that you maybe got tucked away that God, God has got his finger on it. And he's saying, I need you to let that go. It happened to the Ephesian Christians. And by the way, the Ephesian church was one of the most healthiest, strongest, loving, spirit-filled churches in the New Testament. So if these wonderful Christians had some things tucked away, there are very well might be some here that part of the process of God getting a hold of you is, is there's things that you might have said were, thought were okay to hold on to, but the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. I want all of that. I want you to get rid of all of it. Because God wants, us, God wants to fill us. We're not seeing as many people in America being really empowered by the Holy Spirit as we used to. We're not seeing as many Christians empowered by the Holy Spirit as we see in other parts of the world. And I think some of, in some ways that's a real gift and it's a real challenge. And I think it's a gift because God is he's faithful because he wants to give us the real abundant fullness. And if he pours his spirit out upon us, but we still got these scrolls in the closet, it's no good. It'll, it'll, it'll dry up in a minute. God wants to fill us total and completely. And the challenge is here today is God wants to empower you mightily. He wants to empower you as a husband, as a father. He wants to empower you as a wife, as a mother. He wants to empower you as a Christian. He wants to empower you as an employee. Maybe you're here today and you're at the end of yourself. You're thinking, I can't do this. Can I tell you? That is an incredible place to be. He also might be challenging you to take some scrolls that you've maybe tucked away that he's saying, come on, I want you to give those to me. God is a jealous God. He does not want to share his glory with any other God. A scroll could be something that you really struggle with as far as you love this sometimes. It gets more of your attention than the Lord does. A scroll could be a crutch of something that you typically go to for security or you go to for support instead of to the Lord. It's because a scroll, these were like, they grew up with these kind of witchcraft kind of spells, and this was this idea of safety and security. Well, if this Jesus thing doesn't totally work out, at least I've got this, this fallback. You know what? I know the Bible's true, but you know, just in case this God thing doesn't work out, I got this thing tucked away in the corner here that I can run back to. But God is saying, listen, if you're going to trust me with a little, you need to trust me with all. There is no second option when we're following Jesus. There's no backup plan. There's no crutches because though he slay me, yet I will praise him. God, it doesn't matter what happens. I will trust you with all of my life, Lord. We have never seen the righteous forsaken in the history of the kingdom of God or of the earth. And he's saying, release the scrolls, release those security blankets, let me take them. And when we release them, oh, he empowers us by his spirit. Let's all stand to our feet this afternoon. Everyone just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. We're going to pray together in a moment, but before we do that, 
We're going to pray for the Spirit of God to empower us as a church and as individuals. But with all eyes closed, maybe you are here and this last point really is hitting you. You've been trying to exercise authority in certain areas. You've been trying to, like the seven sons of Sceva, step up to the enemy or step up to the darkness. And maybe the Lord today is connecting some of the dots. And you realize why the power might be lacking is because there's some scrolls that you've got hidden away that you've not allowed the Lord to take. And today is a, a burning ceremony where he's, the Spirit of God wants to burn with his fire and take every one of those things that he wants to release you from them. But he's a gentleman and he's, 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 he's a patient God. And he's waiting for you today to say, God, I want to give you these scrolls as our brothers and sisters did in Ephesus a couple thousand years ago. I want to be 100% yours today. If you're here with all eyes closed and you have maybe one scroll or maybe a whole closet full of them that you have had tucked away and you want to now totally surrender those to the Lord, just right in your seat with all eyes closed, just lift your hand up in the presence of the Lord so we could pray. You say, there's some scrolls. I got to get those out. Hands are going up all over the sanctuary, all over the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. With all eyes closed, right there in your seat, if you lifted your hands, I want you to open your palms up towards heaven as if you are surrendering them to the Lord. And right now at your seat, I want you to begin to say, God, I surrender these things to you. You can whisper them to the Lord, but begin to say, God, I give this to you right here in the Lord's presence. God, I'm, I want to give you this scroll. I want to give you this scroll. Just give it to the Lord right now. And he's going to come and he's going to release you from it. But articulate it, name it, give it to the Lord. Say, God, I surrender this to you. We surrender to you, Lord. As you're surrendering those things to the Lord, I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are here with us. We are your children. These things don't surprise you. You've seen them. You've been patient. You've been waiting. But now my brothers and sisters are surrendering these things to you, Lord. Lord, they are declaring that you are their number one. God, they forsake these other things in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that as they release them to you, that you would release your grace to their hearts in a fresh and a powerful way, oh God. Father, I pray that in certain areas where they have maybe lacked spiritual authority and influence, now that they have surrendered these things to you, I pray that a new authority would come upon them, oh God. And as they give these to you, God, I pray for strength to flood their soul now. May they leave them in front of you, no turning back to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and praise the Lord for new surrender. Amen. We're going to sing a song and we're going to pray. We have a couple of minutes. If you're here and you would say, I need the outpouring and I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit today. We've been praying all day long for fresh power for all of our hearts. I want to invite you to slip out of your seat and I want you to come and we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray together. Come with your hearts expectant. Come with your voices ready to call upon the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord for fresh power today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the promise of the Father that when we ask, we will receive. When we seek, we will find. And when we knock, the door will be open unto us, Lord. 
presence, Lord. Lord, we confess our utter dependence upon you on this day. And we thank you that you've now left us alone, but you have given us the Spirit of God to lead us and to guide us and to help us every single day. We forsake our own strength and our own abilities, our own experience and our own education. We bend ourselves under the hand of the mighty God today. And we thank you, Father, for answering from on high. We thank you for fresh power from above. And God, we pray as we go from this place that this would not be a period on the conversation, but it would just be a comma knowing that we are going to continue. And God, for the deep hunger that you've begun to stir in many of our hearts today, Father, I pray that even this afternoon and even this week, Lord, that we would set our face to seek the Lord. Lord, that living rooms would turn into the Holy of Holies, that cars would turn into the very throne room of God, that bedrooms would become a place of communion with you, and that we would not give you any rest until we see the breakthrough into the fullness for our lives, oh God. Hallelujah. We thank you today. We bless you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's praise him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.